Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of November 6th through November 8th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there and that you made it out of election week more or less in one piece. Uh, obviously, it's been a crazy couple of days, but it's nice to have something regular to ground ourselves in, like looking at box office numbers. Or... That would be the case. Uh, anyway, Disney has pulled its last two 20th century films off of the schedule, uh, Free Guy starring Ronald Reynolds and Death on the Nile, the Henry Poirot remake uh, starring Kenneth Branagh, which were both due to come out in December, leaving the Christmas box office looking pretty shaky. Uh, part of this, I think, is the fact that European shutdowns are further limiting the potential revenue of these films abroad on top of the already, already weak domestic market. I think the only thing Disney has scheduled now is the theatrical release, or fourth theatrical release, is Chloe Zhao's Nomadland coming on December 4th, part of Searchlight Pictures, which is part of their Oscar run. Um, other than that, I don't think they have anything actually left. Uh, also, more broadly, uh, you know, like I said, the uh, already shaky release schedule for the theatrical box office this December is even more threadbare. Like, what do we have for major releases outside of the art house labels like Searchlight? There's Freaky from Universal and Blumhouse, which is only a $5 million budget film coming out this week. Uh, the Crudes coming out at the end of November from DreamWorks slash Universal on a $65 million budget, relatively modest for an animated film. Uh, Universal is also putting out the romantic comedy All My Life on December 4th. And then Warner Brothers still has Wonder Woman 1984 due for a Christmas release, though pretty much everyone expects that to move to 2021 at this point. There's also the Monster Hunter movie, uh, though honestly I see that more as a play for China uh, as opposed to a domestic market release. So really nothing for the domestic market except for smaller releases or universal releases where they have that deal with AMC to allow for a sort of release window before coming to PVOD. The other big films of the year are all in streaming, uh, either awards hopefuls like Netflix, on Netflix like Mank, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, or Soul on Disney+, Plus, or there are some Amazon pickups such as Eddie Murphy's Two, uh, Coming to America or the award hopeful One Night in Miami. Uh, A24 does have, did recently announce that they are going to have a limited release for the Oscar hopeful Minari, starring Steven Yuen, which premiered at Sundance earlier this year and won the Audience and Grand Jury Prize. Um, it's set to have a New York and LA release, assuming those markets are open, on December 11th, with a wider rollout on February 12th, uh, which is closer to the Oscar nomination period of March 15th. Uh, don't worry, even though we're going to have a shaky box office release, this podcast isn't going anywhere. Uh, one beacon of hope, though, if you have been following the news, you'll know that uh, on Monday, pharmaceutical company Pfizer announced a 90% effective vaccine for COVID-19. While there are no firm dates for when such a vaccine may or may not be rolled out for general consumption, uh, the first wave should go to the frontline workers. Uh, this does bode well for the ex exhibition industry overall uh, if they're able to weather a weak winter season. Uh, consumer confidence for attending movies should, re should come back in 2021 with the vaccine. Uh, that being said, we still have to get through winter, and it looks like cases in many states, including New York and California, are seeing the forecasted second wave coming. So just another reminder, everyone, wear your masks and social distance, please. Uh, Regal Cinema also went ahead and shut down the last remaining 18 locations in New York and California that they had left open until further notice, joining the rest of that circuit. 
part of staying alive to that vaccine is adapting to reality. We've already talked in the past about AMC making that deal with Universal to have a 17-day theatrical window and a sale of PVOD revenue. Uh, Cinemark, on their most recent earning call, signaled that they would be quote-unquote adopting a similar dynamic approach to theatrical windows. Unquote. Uh, we've seen this in recent weeks where Universal films that have the sort of theatrical release window with AMC also premiered in Cinemark theaters. This isn't a flat across the board window deal as with AMC, but apparently it's just going to be on a film by film basis. I'm hopeful that this means that in the future, Netflix shows could potentially have a theatrical release if they are amenable to sort of windows. I think this most affects small films uh, that will have the sort of windows before coming to. Uh, you know, direct to streaming uh, a couple of weeks later, I don't see this really affecting the biggest major blockbusters uh, whenever they do do, do return. Uh, speaking of streaming, there's a couple of news items in the streaming world to touch on. Viacom, CBS, is officially shuttering its niece streaming services in order to focus on the launch of Paramount Plus next year. Uh, no official confirmation on which ones will be cut aside from the service MTV Hits, but presumably on the topping block are Nick Hits, Comedy Central Now, and Kid Friendly Noggin. Beyond that, earnings report-wise, CBS announced streaming revenue overall is up 78% in Q3, and streaming users, including CBS All Access and Showtime OTT, hit 17.9 million in Q3, up 72% year over year. That's pretty good for the for the company. In comparison, theatrical box office revenue dropped 94% to only 6 million, which is to be expected. That being said, they were able to overall beat Wall Street estimates. Uh, I think part of this is the fact that they, instead of leading films to be on the theatrical release and make less money, they just ended up selling those streaming rights to those films to Netflix uh, and Amazon, such as the upcoming Coming to America uh, coming out in December. On the Disney side of things, uh, while not news yet, uh, later this week marks the one-year anniversary of the Disney Plus launch, November 12th. I myself got my annual renewal billing notice in the e- in my email. Uh, the big question for Disney will be how many of its users stick around for another year, especially those who signed up using the Verizon promotion that happened around this time last year. Those users make up up to 15% of the 60 million users. Um, That's likely why we're seeing a lot of major new IP releases, including the second season of of The Mandalorian and soon WandaVision from the MCU. Uh, Disney does have an earnings call on the 12th, so we'll see if they have any other major announcements then. And then also, in streaming news, according to Variety, the Borat sequel is apparently the second most streaming, most watched streaming movie in 2020 behind Hamilton, beating out films like Trolls World Tour and Mulan. Uh, more broadly, in the world of movies in general, uh, Jurassic World finally finished its shooting, its, finally finished its shooting period uh, after 40,000 COVID cases on set. Um, as noted previously, their release date did get pushed back a year to 2022, but it's still a testament to them that they were able to get it done in this time of COVID. Uh, also, I'm not going to get into the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Hurt drama here, but after losing a case against the UK tabloid, Warner Brothers asked on Johnny Depp to resign from the Fantastic Beasts franchise. His role as Grindelwald will be recast, with rumors being that Mads Mikkelsen may step in. In either case, though, Depp is still going to be getting his full eight-figure salary for the role, even if he only filmed one scene. Uh, in addition, the film it was originally set for November 12, 2021, and is now being pushed back to July 15, 2022. 
No news if Amber Heard's role in the upcoming Aquaman 2 film will be affected, and we'll have to see how this uh, controversy, among many others, affects the Fantastic Beasts franchise, um, which has more than its fair share of, of, sna- of shit to deal, deal with. Um, now, this may be a, this next bit is a, may be a while away, but Jordan Peele's next horror film, still untitled at this point, has been set by Universal to have a July 22nd, 2022 release date, just one week after the new date for Fantastic Beasts. And finally, some inside baseball, Lionsgate announced uh, that it will be laying off 15% of its staff uh, due to COVID affecting the business. Disney also announced some cuts, mostly on ESPN, though a handful in other studios such as Searchlight, and many open positions, more importantly, are being closed. Uh, Warner Media also announced that there will be another round of layoffs with more restructuring, affecting up to 20% of the workforce, though internal sources seem to indicate it's closer to the 5-7% to 7% range. Anyway, that's all the industry news. Let's just hop to the top five and international numbers to close out the show. Pretty quick show this week. Um, just pretty busy all around on my end. In the domestic box office, in first place, we have the new film, Let Him Go, from Focus Features. It's billed as a neo-Western drama starring Tevin Costner and Diane Lane. It made about $4 million in 2,454 theaters on its opening weekend for a pre-theater average of $1,630. That's actually the best opening domestically since Tenet's $20 million opening. Uh, all other films have opened since uh, in the $3 million range. Again, this is under the Focus Features label, which is part of Universal, so you can expect us to see this on streaming in a couple of weeks. Uh, that said, this is also, I believe, the first time Focus Features has had back-to-back number one films between this and last week's film, Come Play. Speaking of, Complay came in second place with 1.8 million US dollars in 2,218 theaters, dropping 43% versus last week, ending with a per theater average of $810. Total box office to date, just under 6 million worldwide, most of that being domestic. In third place, we have The War with Grandpa, which surprisingly gained 19% versus last week uh, to 1.5 million in 2,348 theaters for a per theater average of $642. Not really sure why this increased beyond the fact that, you know, last weekend was Halloween uh, and there wasn't a, and, you know, two weekends ago was Halloween, last weekend there wasn't, so that might explain the increase. Um, Total Domestic currently sits at 13.4 million uh, with another 4.6 internationally, bringing the total up to $18 million. Uh, meanwhile, in fourth place, we have Liam Neeson's The Honest Thief, uh, slotting into fourth place, closing seven, dropping 17% from last week to $1.14 million in 2,360 theaters for 484 per theater average. Total box office is $18.3 million, million, with $7 million of that coming internationally. And finally, in fifth place, we have Tenet, again, uh, gaining a little bit, 2% this time, up about $900,000 in 1,600 theaters for a per theater average of $565. Domestically, it now sits at $55.1 million. Worldwide, its total is reportedly crossed the $350 million mark, which is another milestone. Um, I don't see it getting the $400 million without another re-release, though. There are 16 more markets left for it to release, with India coming sometime in around November 20th. Um, also worth noting, apparently we have official confirmation that it will be coming to home media, Blu-ray and DVD, on December 15th. Uh, no news of when streaming will come out. 
Uh, a couple other movies outside of the top five, five I wanted to note real quickly. Uh, Disney uh, tried releasing Toy Sto- re-releasing Toy Story. It didn't go so well, making only five hundred and five thousand dollars in two thousand one hundred and two theaters, uh, per theater average of two hundred and forty dollars. This is the seventh re-release Disney has tried in as many weeks. Uh, seems to be a bit hit or miss. It seems that the more recent films tend not to do as well, whereas the more classic ones seem to do better. Um, I'm not really sure why why they that went with uh, Toy Story. It doesn't seem to really fit anything thematically, such as Hocus Pocus or Nightmare Before Christmas did around Halloween. And then also from Disney, uh, or rather 20th Centuries, uh, their Empty Man has dropped 49% in its third week to only $294,000, for a total of $274 million, $2.74 million domestic. Uh, this is after the 56% drop last week, so this film is pretty much done. Uh, anyway, total box office for this weekend was $11.3 million, a step up from the about just under $10 million last week, though, again, that may be because we didn't have the holiday, Halloween holiday taking away moviegoers. Uh, in comparison, last year we saw $121 million in the total box office for domestic this weekend. Uh, there were four new films this time last year. Uh, Lionsgate's World War II film, Midway, making $17.8 million. Warner's sequel to the signing, Doctor Sleep, making $14 million. Paramount's family film, Playing With Fire, making $12.7 million. And Universal's romantic comedy, Last Christmas, making $11.4 million. Moving internationally, Demon Slayer's Infinity Train continues its run to the top of all-time Japanese charts. As of this past weekend, the growth is about 20.48 billion yen, or about 197.9 million US dollars. That's good for number 5 on the all-time Japanese box office list, ahead of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and Howl's Moving Castle. Next up would be Makoto Senkai's Your Name at number 4, with 25 billion yen. We're still aiming to surpass Spirit of the Way at 30.8 billion yen at number one. Uh, Demon Slayer still sits at the number nine of the 2020 top grossing films behind Birds of Prey at 201 million, though being that close to about 4 million away, it should beat that sometime this week. Uh, mind you, this is only 24 days compared to all the other films having had their full one of many, many months. Also, side note, I actually uh, crossed over with myself uh, on my anime podcast, yet another anime podcast, to talk about the Demon Slayer run on there. Um, It'll be mostly what you've already heard before, but uh, if you enjoy anime, I just want to plug myself, I guess, and check out the yet another anime podcast. Uh, Anyway, in China, Sacrifice, the Korean War film, the Chinese film about the Korean War, uh, continues its run at the top of the box office with another 14.3 million US dollars, a 51% drop. This a total, uh, that's a total of 133.8 million US dollars so far. Uh, in number two, a new film, Back to the Wharf, made 7.1 million US dollars. Uh, My People, My Homeland comes to the number three with another 4.8 million, a 39% drop, currently sitting at 414.5 million US dollars, just another 10 million or so away from surpassing Bad Boys for Life for the number two slot of 2020. Uh, so it should be able to get it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, some upcoming films from the West going to China, Greenland is coming on November 20th, and then The Invisible Man comes on December 4th, followed by Call of the Wild and 2019's The Aeronauts coming on November 13th. Uh, there is one other bit of international market news, uh, The Witches, which is Warner Brothers' adaptation uh, of the uh, of the Roald Dahl film that premiered on HBO Max here in the States, was released internationally where HBO Max was not available. It net this past weekend about 3.5 million US dollars for another 10 million total uh, internationally since coming out, uh, with the top market being Russia, making about, about a third of that 10 million dollars. 
Anyway, like I said, short episode this week. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying uh, the post-election life. Uh, with that, that is the end of this episode of the Box Office Watch podcast. Suit me ideas for what I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. If you could leave a review on your podcast service of choice or Podchaser, that would be super helpful. I'll include those links in the show notes. Anyway, numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at thecompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. Remember, a watch goes on. <laughs>